Transport in Australia was responsible in 2020 for about 18% of the country's carbon dioxide emissions, and of that total, cars were responsible for about 47%. Subsequently, there was significant interest at the recent Better Futures Australia Forum, with at least two sessions about making low-carbon transport accessible for all. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to rollers, past, present and emerging. Let's listen now as James Whelan talks about the first of the two sessions about making low-carbon transport accessible for all. Hi, James Whelan from Climate Action Network Australia. I've just come back from the transport stream, the first session. We um, started with a framing of the, the whole transport challenge, how to get transport emissions really driving down hard this decade. Um, Audrey Quick from the Australia Institute gave us a terrific uh, bird's eye view of transport emissions, how they're tracking, how they're increasing, um, and the, the different parts of the transport equation where we could see some reduction. Sam McLean from Tesla gave us a reality check telling us that even if 100% of new car sales were electric vehicles very quickly, we're not going to see that 43% reduction of emissions across the transport sector. Um, nonetheless, um, we, we adopted a framework um, that apparently has been used in transport campaigning, uh, transport advocacy quite a bit, of avoid, shift, improve, where possible, avoid single occupant car, car trips, um, where it's not possible to avoid them, shift those trips, and avoiding could, for instance, be through flexible and hybrid working arrangements, where car trips are simply uh, avoided. Um, shift, we can shift to public transport, to cycling, to walking, and clearly there needs to be significant increase in the funding to make those other modes of transport um, attractive and, and highly functional in our cities, um, which brings us to improve. Um, and in particular, there was a lot of interest and enthusiasm for improving paths for people cycling, people walking, and so on in many Australian cities. Uh, those connections aren't especially good. We also referred to the Australian Council of Social Services framework a fair, fast and inclusive that any emission reduction strategy needs to meet that test um, and we'd like to ensure that this is, these transport initiatives are fair for low-income Australians, fair for Australians who are living outside of the capital cities and people who currently are perhaps transport disadvantaged already um, and there are lots of good ideas coming. Watch that space, more tomorrow. Calls were now for people to make contributions to the transport stream and one who did that was Warwick Cath from Canberra's Conservation Council. Warwick has made climate change his key cause after a lifetime of varied interests. He completed a PhD in physical chemistry at the University of Sydney before embarking on a career in the library industry. After his retirement from full-time work, his concern about climate change led him to join with other climate change activists in 350 Canberra. Warwick drives an electric vehicle and is the secretary of the ACT branch of the Australian Electric Vehicle Association. He is passionate about policies to reduce emissions in the transport industry. Here is just four points that Warwick made to the transport session. Basically, there should be no barriers to use EVs unless there's a safety issue. Uh, currently, there are barriers. For example, it's not legal to import a second-hand 2018 Hyundai Ionic into Australia from the United Kingdom. 
not legal. It, it conflicts with the Road Vehicle Standards Act and the Road Vehicle Standards Rules. Um, and, it, and if we want an equitable transition, we, we want the most affordable uh, EVs available to consumers. And if we want to address the supply issues that we've got, this is something that could be done easily and quickly. And it just makes no sense whatsoever to deny people the opportunity to buy a secondhand 2018 Hyundai Ionic to take that one, take that as an example. So that's my first um, point. Uh, my second issue is about is about road spending. It's, it relates to item seven uh, on the on this slide. Um, now this won't be popular with many motorists, but my suggestion is that that spending on roads uh, should first of all relate focus on safety issues. There are issue, road improvements needed for safety issues or if there are, there are new housing developments and so on. But what I'm suggesting is that where road spending is related to congestion and heavy usage of roads, that we shouldn't be widening, adding lanes or duplicating roads for du making dual carriageways simply in order to reduce congestion. So this is a budget saving, right? Uh, and it's and the and part of the funds saved by not doing those sort of roadworks could be spent on active travel infrastructure, walking paths, cycle paths, maybe e-bike charges, you know that that kind of thing. And and one inspiration for this is that here in Canberra, there is a road, uh, there's a, a path priority list. This is projects that are needed for cycling and walking, and there are 569 projects. There's a backlog. 255 kilometers of paths that need to be built and and they're not being done and meanwhile we're duplicating major roads that don't need duplicating that don't need dual carriageways so that's a suggestion for diverting spending from roads into active travel the third point i had right roughly relates to point eight on the slides but actually what the point i've made yesterday related to two car households right now uh, the suggestion here is there be some kind of public education campaign and maybe backed up by some financial incentives for two car households, to households that have two petrol cars or petrol and diesel cars, to, to urge them to make the switch to one petrol car and an electric bike or maybe one petrol car and an EV and to reorganise their car. Local travel, the city, city car use is done with an electric car. It doesn't need a big range. If that's its use, and it could it could be handled with a second-hand Nissan Leaf or a second-hand Hyundai Ionic, relatively modest range, um, and so that would be um, something that would be useful to, to actually keep moving the switch to EVs forward. Um, and my fourth point, I made because it was mentioned by Sam McLean yesterday. He actually talked about the. Uh, what the implications might be of autonomous uh, vehicles. And my suggestion is that we start seriously examining the implications. The issue here is I have a, a colleague who has done some modeling uh, for what would, if there were fleets of robo taxis or um, uh, of uh, elect, elect, uh, autonomous cars available to support transport in Canberra. And his modeling shows that all of the journeys taken by Canberrans possibly with the exception of tradies, could be done with less than 40,000 cars in fleets. 
Currently, there are 320,000 cars registered in the ACT. So th this is something that should this what we'd like to see is this kind of modeling examined. And maybe companies like Waymo could be invited to run trials in selected um, uh, cities or, or suburban areas in, in Australia. Waymo currently has operational robo-taxi services operating in Phoenix and San Francisco, and a company called AutoX has them operating in Shenzhen in China. And so no, I'm not saying this is going to become a um, normal part of urban travel any time, you know, very soon, but it probably will be in the 2030s, and we should start planning for it now. Uh, and also, this could start a conversation about cars, cars as a service, you know, is, is one of the things we want to see achieved, people selecting not, electing not to own a car, but mm. simply to use one of these uh, robo-taxis, which will be price, priced significantly less than Uber is, significantly less, then, um, you know, that, that's a, a, an important conversation because even a partial shift away from car ownership to cars as a service could have significant implications for the environment and land use. Okay, so that's my four suggestions, and none of them require significant government expenditure. End of my, end of my little spiel. Thanks, Warwick, and thanks to Better Futures Australia for setting up the whole forum. It was a wonderful two days. That wraps up this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. And until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with your friends. So as I said, until we talk again, please take care.